Welcome to the Design Thinkers Academy London podcast, where we focus on design thinking and its role in some of the biggest issues facing society today. In this podcast, we speak to an inspiring guest in creative director Sid Sharma. Sid is the co-founder and creative director at Shambhala Festival, a four-day festival that takes place every year in Northamptonshire and brings together music, arts, food and more from across the globe, winning multiple awards along the way. He is the winner of the first ever Bristol Sustainable Food Champion, a BBC Food and Farming Award winner and founder of Tali Cafe, which was awarded Restaurant of the Year by readers of The Guardian Observer for their innovative sustainable takeaway scheme. We met Sid back in 2019 when he attended our Design Thinkers Boot Camp and he has since been on our online facilitation, advanced facilitation and prototyping courses and has signed up for our upcoming Design Sprint Camp, The Climate Challenge. Today we wanted to talk to Sid about his experiences in setting up and running Shambhala Festival and their work on sustainability and also about how the worlds of musical festivals and design thinking might combine in the future. Welcome Sid. Hi there. Hi, it's great to have you here. And First up, quite a list of achievements. Let's go right back to the beginning and could you just tell us a bit about how you got to be involved in all of these various exciting projects? So I moved to Bristol from Birmingham to study and I was doing a design and media course at Bristol University and very soon after that I had to decide whether I was going to go to London and sort of join the TV and film industry or stay in Bristol and I had such a good time in Bristol I decided to stay here and a friend of mine was selling her business in festival catering and I just jumped at the chance because the thought of working summers and spending winter somewhere tropical and hot was really quite tempting and from the sort of the festival catering world I then sort of progressed on to running restaurants um, but in the background my passion for music was always very much alive so I was always promoting when I was a student in Birmingham as well putting on club nights and bands and that just progressed into small scale outdoor events and then obviously Fast forward 20 years on, we're putting on events for over 20,000 people. That was a group of you that came together and then you started coming up with this idea for Shambhala. So there was, there was three or four friends of, of mine uh, and we just were sick of the nightclub experience or the very corporate festival experience that we were receiving. And we very much wanted to have a much freer, liberating experience. So we thought let's let's just have a let's have a party for 500 friends and that was that was sort of you know we had one stage that was on the back of a trailer like a farmer's trailer you know there was there was one or two food offerings but very much we really wanted the audience to be as much of the the entertainment as as the bands on stages so to allow that to happen we had to create these spaces where people would really sort of really interact with each other and not not necessarily just be consumers, but also be producers. How did that come about? It's very much sort of in the way that, you know, you lay out seating, you know, you have things in the round, you create circles, you allow, you know, more campfires, you know, a lot of, in a lot of events, you're not even allowed a fire, which, which, you know, I can understand for the health and safety reasons, but also we very much wanted to trust our audiences. And then in return, they would give us their trust. But if once you start getting people right, as simple as getting people around a fire, suddenly they start talking, they start interacting. So it was all very organic and informal, but it wasn't restrictive. And we were we were very sick of the restrictive nature of some of the cultural experiences we were receiving in cities and at other festivals. 
So in those early years, many ways you were putting the end user right at the forefront of your early designs. Totally, totally. And what's interesting is that now we're dreaming up new concepts. We are dreaming of how the audience actually is the star of the show. So for instance, we're dreaming up new ideas where, you know, you create a theme and the audience actually brings the characters to life. You know, so each year we have a carnival theme. This year actually just gone, the theme was humankind to celebrate the greatest achievements of humans. You know, it's been such a, a heavy year uh, with the pandemic that we really wanted to celebrate, you know, human achievements. So there was a lot of people dressed up as sliced bread and equally there was a lot of people dressed up as the AstraZeneca vaccine. But the seeds of participatory behaviour from our audience was, was sown very early on from, you know, the beginning of our event management and event planning. Um, and it's just grown and grown. And now it's it's part of the DNA of our festivals. And did you have any problems in those early years as well? Like starting out, was it a difficult thing to get off the ground? Festivals are inherently high risk. There's, there's so many variables that can go wrong from the weather, from noise management, from crime. So anything can go wrong. Everything normally does go wrong, but it just depends on how prepared your team is to deal with with stuff. You can plan and plan and plan for months on end and then you get thrown a curveball during the event. Like a few years ago, there was a leak in the reservoir which supplied our water. So the water was turned off, you know, and then you're on the phone to get, you know, thousand litre tankers from all across the country to keep your festival going. Um, you know, stuff like that. You can never plan for stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I remember in the early days, we had, a, we had a quarry just near our festival site that, that shipped out clay to, to various countries. And we, we actually got in touch with the quarry company saying, look, the event is happening this week, but no one took any notice or the message wasn't passed on. And there was a one-way road, which unfortunately got blocked. And so we caused a traffic jam that was seven miles long because all our traffic was coming in and trucks were trying to go out. And the chief constable of Devon put me on the back of his motorbike and drove me along the seven miles of traffic jam and said, that's a £60,000 fine you're looking at. You know, and those are the sort of things that are just, you're just thinking, why am I in this industry? <laughs> I can imagine. And what about your role especially? So you were the, you're the creative director. What does that involve? Were you effectively designing how the festival would be? So... Creative director role, it's quite a wide term. It's quite a, can be quite ambiguous. <laughs> but in terms of creative director, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to sew all the various elements that happens at the festival with the branding, with the narrative, you know, with the ethos and the principles. And it's just having that holistic overview of the event. So it all makes sense. It all sort of, in its weird sort of jigsaw puzzle-like way, fits together. Shambhala is, is quite an interesting model because we have numerous programmers. It's not like a pyramid type sort of hierarchy with we, say, we tell everyone what, what's going to be booked and programmed. We invite people to sort of take ownership of their venues. So very much it's like a linear model, which means that, you know, we can access really varied content because it's not just coming from a few people. It's coming from numerous people. And it's, it's like it is like one big massive family. But we, you know, we set the intention, we set the themes a little bit, and then people can go off on their slight tangents. But ultimately, everything does hang together pretty well each year. 
So it's quite a collaborative approach then that you've been doing from the start. Yeah, it's really collaborative and community is at the core of, of what we do. We strongly believe that the challenges we face you know, in the world collectively can only be solved by working together. And so, you know, the, the fact that we have a very big community, which during the event can number thousands from event managers, venue managers, uh, technical teams, stewards, bar staff, but we communicate with everyone quite honestly and, and, and we give them as much of much of our ethos in our comms. So it's not just they turn up and it's just like, oh, you've got to do you've got to do that. You know, we try and explain our rationale in in what we do on site because we actually have quite a lot of asks of our audience and our crew in the way they behave and how they deal with, you know, their waste streams. So there's a lot of communication. So it needs constant communication from, um, from, from our part. And that collaborative approach, I guess, leads directly into design thinking. It, how did your interest in design thinking begin? Where did that start? The interest in design thinking came when we were actually working on an event with various organisations in Bristol. And one of them was Bristol University. And I was working with a, a friend of mine who's a lecturer in design thinking, he was going to host the space. Um, and I think the question really was, what would the world look like if Bristolians ruled the world? <laughs> the, the room was going to be housed in a, an art space in Bristol and they were gonna, their students were going to facilitate the general public with that question, with various sort of tools that design thinking um, has. And so that, that just sparked my curiosity. So I, I did a couple of courses with the Design Thinkers Academy, the boot camp, and then the prototyping and the facilitating, the online facilitating. So I've done quite a few courses. And every time I do a course, it just inspires me to try and incorporate it more and more. Unfortunately, the pandemic hit and a lot of my invent industry work was put on pause, which is really frustrating. But it didn't stop me from having sessions with the team on working on new on new ideas. And hopefully now that the world has started to open up a little bit more and we are putting on more events, um, really want to utilise more of the thinking and learning that I've had from design thinking. And what are some of these ideas that you want to put into action? And so we're trying to eliminate disposable serveware at our festival, which is actually quite a big deal if you think about it. You've got to find the providers and then you've got to think how the public are going to access the serveware how the trader's going to deal with it, where do they get returned. So there's all these really big practical questions um, and whether people even want it. So we were thinking what we should really do is prototype it and even have a design thinking tent on site where we have you know facilitators and team members who really get to the nub of what the issues are, what the challenges are, potentially what the solutions are, and then quickly prototype some of these ideas with the public on site to, and get feedback. So you're constantly iterating your, 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 your solutions and testing them in real time. See, so this would run over the course of the festival and people would cut, drop in and bring their ideas to the problem. Yeah, totally. So obviously we spent the last few years on mural with uh, virtual stickies, but I would love to just have a tent and just get people really getting involved, really creatively, post-it notes, marker pens, uh, cardboard cutouts, just really, really bring the tent alive and animate it. And then again, you know, it's a really fun, interactive venue. And our crowd are really highly vocal in what we do. They're, they're quick to 
praise us and equally they're quick to give us constructive criticism. So I think, you know, as an audience, I think we'd get a lot, a lot out of this experience. It sounds fantastic and quite unique for a festival as well. I don't think I've ever heard of a festival have tents like that. It sounds like the Shambhala crowd is made for that kind of event. Yeah, I mean, we do listen to our crowds. We do big annual questionnaires and then we crunch the data from questionnaires and we present it back. And then when people see that we're actually implementing some of their ideas, suggestions and improving, then that, that trust is really built because they don't think, oh, this is a waste of time. You know, our input is just fallen on deaf ears. And the trust is what keeps our, our brand and our business alive and healthy. And going on uh, from that into courses itself, you recently signed up for the Design Sprint Camp, the Climate Challenge that's taking place in November. Why did you want to get involved in the sprint? I mean, I strongly feel that what happens in the next 10 years and the decisions we make and our politicians make is really going to dictate the sort of planet we live on and my children will inherit. So, you know, we have to be bold. We have to be radical. We have to make some really big changes. And we can't just talk to the converted. We have to bring everyone on that journey. So for me to to go on the the design sprint on the envir- on, on the challenge will give me more confidence to to bring bring design thinking into into my work and work with the wider audiences that we work to try and really jumpstart that behavioural change that needs to happen over the course of our festival history. You know, we've eliminated single-use plastic, we've cut out meat and fish from our, our festival menus, and a lot of that behaviour then translates into everyday life. When people go back to their homes, they, they think, look, I haven't eaten meat for four or five days, and it was fine. You know, and I can cut I can cut out meat or I can reduce my meat intake, which obviously has a beneficial impact on the planet. So going on the eco sprint is is hopefully gonna just teach me more more tools and more techniques, but actually very specific to the world of sustainability and climate change, which is very relevant to my work. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things behind Shambhala is almost that you try and model behaviors that you hope people will then take out into wider society and they will influence wider society. Yeah, so the strapline for Shambhala is adventures in utopia. So utopia is somewhere that you're never really, well, you you never get to utopia, but it's a journey. It's a constant journey of improving and trying to sort of demonstrate better new ways of interacting with the planet and each other, which in essence is design thinking, (laughs) really. So we we will constantly try and innovate in what we do. We won't always get it right. And we will be honest when we don't get it right. But we're not going to stop trying. And I think that's the beauty in the process of design thinking is that you know you're going to make mistakes. Um, but you embrace those mistakes and you learn from them. And is, that, is it quite difficult, like the whole sustainability mentality? Is that difficult in a festival environment i mean you see lots of festivals where they've got these pictures at the end of the festival and it's fields full of tents that have been left over and waste and stuff like that even from glastonbury is that is it tricky to try and model these behaviors in that kind of world it it needs hard work it needs on-site communication for instance for us the tent the tent issue is not a problem we we have very very few tents left on site and that's because we 
look at where the potential problems are. And people who leave tents are generally the ones that party too hard. And, you know, on, on the Monday morning, haven't got the, the sort of sensibilities t- to be more responsible than they should be. We identify those users and we have theatrical stewards who will remind them, you know, on, on the Sunday that take your stuff with you. It's, it's bad for the planet. Um, we have fun signs on site. So there's branding on site, there's communications pre-event and there's communications post-event to say, well done, everyone took their tents back. So it's positive reinforcement of behavior and it's making a certain type of behavior the norm. So to not do it will feel wrong. But as I say, other festivals might not put that level of detail and energy and resources into this sort of work, but we always have done. Do you think it's changing though in the festival world? Do you think festivals across the world are concentrating now more on sustainable initiatives? They have to. They have to. It's inherently an unsustainable business model anyway to encourage people to to drive or travel from all over the world or all over the country to once, but it's inherently unsustainable. And so, you know, as an industry, we have to wake up to that. There's been lots of research published about touring. You know, there's a lot going on in our industry. We're not navel gazing, but we're definitely having a bit of a, um, a real rethink about what we do and how we do it as, as should every industry at the moment, because as I said, like if we have got 10 years to sort this out, there's a lot of change. It can't just be small incremental footsteps. It has to be leaps. And as I say, the beauty of an event and a festival is you can sort of wipe the slate clean. So you can say, that just didn't work this year. Let's just completely redesign the way we do things. Let's bring in this initiative or let's let's not put that venue there. So, you know, it's it's you the world is your oyster in, in redesigning and reimagining. And that's the beauty of festivals. We can rapidly prototype new ideas which you just couldn't do in a city or a town environment. You know, you can't knock down all the buildings and then start again, but you can do it at a festival. Yeah. And what plans does Shambhala have for the next few years? What are the key initiatives you want to bring in? Food is a big one. Food is a, um, it's a massive passion of mine anyway. You know, the way we eat, the way we grow, the way we distribute food is, is massive on our planet. And so what we're looking at is maybe getting more community supported agriculture to grow the produce for our festival goers and our crew. So we're, we're going to be looking into that and developing relationships with local growers. As I said, we're hoping to like eliminate all disposable serveware. Um, we are trying to bring more and more electric vehicles on site. So all our buggies and all our vehicles. So yeah, we are always trying to push forward, um, getting more people on public transport. We limit the amount of tickets that go to people with cars and we then switch them over to people who take public transport um, because that's a biggie in terms of carbon footprint. So yeah, we, we look we look holistically at everywhere that we can actually make an improvement. for joining us today and sharing his story about Shambhala Festival. If you're interested in learning more about the Design Thinkers Academy London and their courses, please do visit our website or follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Many thanks for listening and look out for a podcast coming soon.